Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we show you how to build your business brick by brick. Put on your hard hat and grab your tool belt because you are about to enter the construction zone. And now, here's your host, Christy Hostler. Hi there, everyone. Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast. My name is Christy, and I'm your host today. I'm coming to you today live from beautiful Key West, Florida, sitting out here on my screened-in porch. We just had some thunderstorms. I don't know if we're going to have a few more pop back through. So if you hear a little background noise, just know we have some weather going on. doesn't make it any less beautiful here. Now, although this is episode 49 of the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, this is part two of my story. If you'll remember in the last episode, which just came out yesterday, I told you about my crazy idea, quit your job and move to Key West, right? It's what everyone wants to do. And I actually did it. And now I'm dealing with the aftermath and I'm dealing with how do I make up the loss of a six-figure income. So I told you about my desire to start a food cart and put it down at the uh, famous sunset celebration at Key West and Mallory Square every single night. And what I told you in the last episode, we talked about the the getting ready and the the build up until I finally got my product uh, in line and ready to go and everything set. And my products, just to refresh your memory, were those beautiful big caramel apples, gourmet caramel apples, where they have They're dipped in caramel and then they're rolled in nuts and then they have chocolate or white chocolate drizzled over the top of them and they're just beautiful and there's layers of flavors there and they are just really something to behold. So I had those and then I also had grilled corn. Um, I think in some of the Mexican street markets they call it elotes. which is the grilled corn, and I would do it with, uh, brush it with uh, mayonnaise, and then uh, hit it with some chili powder and lime, and a little bit of the cheese on top of it. So that's how we started. And so the the excitement brewing in me, getting my food, everything ready. It just it was such a build up. You know, it was sixty days. I told you about some of the mistakes mistakes I started making, but it sixty days in the works, and I had originally thought it would only take me thirty days. And so here I was. I went down to Mallory Square, and the very first night, I took everything in the kitchen sink. You know how it is. It's kind of like overpacking for a trip. You just If I think I might have needed it, I was going to go ahead and put it on there because I didn't want to be caught without it. And so the first night we went down to Mallory Square, we slept everything down there and barely got set up and a huge thunderstorm blew through. Oh, it killed sunset that first evening. And, you know, we had a lot of people. We were there. We were new. We had a lot of people talking to us. And um, the the people were very encouraging, and they said to us, oh, you know what, don't worry about it. Uh, the good news is this doesn't happen every day, and, you know, it, it this just happened to come at a bad time, occasionally bit storms, but depending on the timing of it, it can still not ruin sunset. So the first night we sold a few things, very few things, and knew that it was essentially our bottom. So it's like, great, it's our starting point. It can't get any worse than this. And uh, I also... As I was, you know, as we were dodging raindrops and, and running from storms and that sort of thing down there, um, people started coming up and talking to me. And they were saying, um, oh, you know, I told you it was the middle of August that I was getting started. And they're like, oh, well, you know, 
this is a really bad time of year. Just, <laughs> I can't even believe people are telling me this. Like, hey, welcome to Mallory Square. This is a, you know, this is a really bad time of year to start something down here. And I'm thinking, start something down here. What are you, what are you talking about? Bad time of year. I mean, this, this goes on all year long. So it's got to be, there's got to be people coming to it, right? And every single vendor is like, oh yeah, but there's pretty much nothing going on down here during the whole month of September. And as you can imagine, complete panic sets in, right? Because already I had gone, I quit my job in June. Remember, I had a very, very small bonus with which to start up, start up capital for uh, the food cart as well as pay my living expenses until I could get money coming in. So here I was, more, more like thinking I was going to be down to where I'm actually in front of customers. I can actually sell them something. I can have them purchase my product. I can have cash flow coming in. The minute I get down there, people start talking about how terrible September is and that there's essentially nothing going on and many vendors, especially the food vendors, said, you know what, it's not even worth my time coming down during the month of September. You know, really, the next couple of weeks is, is the, the, it's winding down. It's getting, these crowds are getting smaller and smaller and every night, you know, we're making less and less money. Well, you know, I, I kicked myself because I didn't know this. I didn't know this seasonality existed with a very subtropical climate like, like Key West. And I should have spent a lot of the 60 days that I was trying to get regulated and licensed down rubbing elbows and talking to people. But here's the other thing. Whenever I went before my uh, participation committee, the jury committee at the Cultural Preservation Society that runs the Mallory Square event, and they paired me up with a mentor. Um, I was told, kind of in no uncertain terms, that many of the food vendors, the other food vendors, were not going to be very friendly to me <laughs> down coming in as a new food vendor at Mallory Square. And, you know, I completely understand there's a certain share of wallet that each vendor could get down there. And whenever you're talking about food, people can only hold so much. And it's right during the dinner hour. They've either eaten before or they're eating after. They're not coming to Mallory Square for dinner because there's not a lot of that type of food out there. So I can understand how those vendors, no matter what you're selling, they view you as someone that's cutting into their uh, customer base and their share of wallet. So I I was a little bit hesitant to go down even to get to know people at Mallory Square because I had this fear that people were going to be uh, really, really ugly to me and not very welcoming. So I didn't do my research and I put that squarely on my shoulders. That is a mistake I made. So immediately now that I'm so excited to finally get down there, immediately I'm faced with the reality that, hey, it really legitimately could be another six weeks before you can kick this thing into high gear and you can actually start making any money. So with that thought, it really got me... I mean, at this point, you know, you just think, wow, how could I have screwed this up so badly? So I thought, well, you know what? Here I am, my first couple days down here, and I am just going to keep going with my game plan, and I will see 
how it pans out. And in my mind, I was hoping, in my, in my mind I was thinking that possibly if some of these other vendors don't go down to Mallory Square in September, and if the crowds are smaller, essentially it could scale. In other words, there's fewer vending choices down there, so that might mean more people buy what I have because other people are not there. So I'll get to that part of the story later, but that was my thinking in the beginning, so I thought I'm just going to carry on. So I kept going down to Mallory Square, and the next few days, and I was experimenting with making my caramel apples. The very first night, I decided I would take the hot caramel and all the toppings, and I would make them right as people ordered them. And I would dip them, and I would have a few that were already pre, you know, th that I dipped right as soon as I got there. And I would have them ready to roll in whatever toppings they wanted and finish it off with the chocolate at the point in time they ordered it. And then I also had the grilled corn that I was making on the side as well. And I would make that whenever people ordered it, too. I didn't have that pre-made or anything like that. I would start cooking when I got down there, and I would get a little bit made. And then, you know, as I sold down, I would put more on the grill and make more. So, um... As I would go down to Mallory Square every night, I would um, I was still trying to refine my processes. And I could quickly see when you go down and you set up a food cart in a place where you are essentially in a line, it's almost like a promenade or something like that, that that's along a pier, and you're all facing the same direction, which is toward the ocean, and you see the beautiful sunset every night. But you're also seeing what's going on with the other vendors. And I would see that some of the other vendors had lines and they had people waiting for food while they cooked it or they were you know waiting to to make it and and they they waited in line to get their product and there were very few times throughout the night where i was having people wait for my product or even come up and, and order and very quickly after a few nights of not really making any profit. I mean, I was I was essentially barely, in some situations, barely covering my costs. And in other situations, I was actually losing money. By going down there, um, I realized I need to go back to the drawing board. One of the issues I was having, you know, I told you my one of my mistakes was uh, that I did not know the seasonality of <laughs> the uh, the season cycle, the tourist cycle down at Mallory Square. And so, um, you know, my shock and, and awe whenever I found out that September's a terrible month um, was not good. But the whole thing with my products is that I realized very quickly um, I would be better off if I made my caramel apples ahead of time. And I did that. And the problem is when you have a heat-sensitive product and you take it to a place where you're experiencing 90-plus degree temperatures and it's outdoors and exposed, uh, I mean, even though it was, I would, you know, put them in the, the clamshell that, you know, you could protect them from the, you know, the elements and all, I was finding very quickly that my product was not holding up. And it... It looked beautiful whenever I could make it in the kitchen. And whenever I'd get in, in the, the kitchen that I had, had was using, it, they would be beautiful. But as I would take them and move them out onto the square, and suddenly they would sit out there, they would begin to melt. And before I knew it, instead of having like a beautiful caramel apple, I had what looked like a melted candle. And it, you know, it wasn't it wasn't appetizing to look at. It wasn't appetizing to think about eating. Um, it just it it wasn't selling. And so, no matter what I was doing, 
it was not the right thing. But, you know, whenever I think about um, failing and I think about business, you know, you always hear people say, fail fast, fail fast. So I very quickly started to change my products. And, you know, it's interesting because when you meet people for the first time, and I, I was, of course, the new person coming in and coming into Mallory Square where people have been, same people have been vending the same items in that venue for 25 and 30 years. I mean, it's really, really incredible that some people have that kind of staying power, but at the same time that they've not had to innovate at all and they've not had to do anything other than show up with their product and it's the same product they've been selling for the last 25 years and people are still buying it. I mean, that's, that's a, I guess that, that would almost be anyone's dream if your dream was just to sell something and make money. Um, but so anyway, what I started to find out is I would have conversations with people and everyone's curious about the new girl, right? So they come up and they start talking to you. And sometimes, you know, everyone's nice to your face and then they walk away and you can hear them muttering under their breath, well, if you're not going to make it very long down here or, well, if you want to make it, you're going to have to sell something besides caramel apples. And, and they, they, you know, they kind of make these snide comments under your breath. And I really, you know, it's funny that I guess they didn't think I would hear them or whatever. But my whole thing is I'm open to the feedback. If you've got great ideas for me or you've got some feedback for me of how I can make it work, please give it to me because I am all ears. I'm like a sponge. So I quickly realized that the caramel, uh, caramel apples and the grilled corn were not going to be able to be the two products that I relied on to earn my living. So I phased out the caramel apples immediately. The grilled corn was actually selling uh, fairly well. I was having a lot, I mean, a lot of children like that. Um, it was a healthier option as well um, compared to a lot of the, you know, cl classic fair food that is in a venue like that. Uh, grilled corn is not a bad option. And so um, I started talking to people because, again, anytime you change your products down there, you've got to go back before this selection participation committee and jury your new products. So I quickly realized that I have a grill already and I could switch and make um, another, if I could switch and make another product that I could use with my grill, I would have no more outlay of, of capital investment to, to try to buy more equipment for anything. And if I could actually take that resource that I'm already there only using part of the time and turn it into where I'm using it more of the time, then I would potentially have a good idea. And at the same time, I looked around at what was being done and what was being sold, and not a lot of real food was being sold. Um, what's down there, there's a couple of smoothie people that make, you know, uh, pineapple, banana, orange, uh, strawberry smoothies. Uh, there's a couple people who do... Uh, there's a pineapple drink lady who gives you the drink and a pineapple. There's the conch fritter guy. There's um, a guacamole and chip person. So, I mean, there was all snacky type food. And I thought, well, you know what? Maybe, just maybe, there is a market for real food. And so I decided that I would use my grill and I would begin to do shish, shish kebabs. I can hardly even say that word, shish kebabs. So I um, started making beef and chicken kebabs and then I would also do vegetable ones. And they all had... Um, the beautiful tricolored peppers on them and some, you know, purple onions. And, and they're, they're beautiful to look at. And so I would just essentially assemble them before I went down there. Um, and, you know, of course, but in order to even change, I had to go through the participation committee. And until uh, they meet every twice a, twice a month, which is like the first 
the Monday of the month and the third Monday of the month they meet. And so it took me a while to, you know, in this two-week period of uh, I tried something, it didn't work, and now I've got to go back before the participation committee. And I let them know, you know, I've got to start making money fast. <clears throat> and so I rejuried the shish kebabs, and they were, they were approved, and so I started switching the, to the shish kebabs. And again, now we're into starting to be into September, and one of the guys that's always down there that sells confronters like, ah, oh, September's not even worth my time. You'll see. Make the decision for yourself, but you'll see. And in my mind, you know, I'm already thinking, well, I'm already losing money or barely covering expenses every single night. And so it's, I can't tell, I mean, at this point, it's not been worth it for me to be down here already. So I've, I have no choice but to continue and carry on. And so I looked at this sort of whole tourism that was going on in the month of September as my opportunity to experiment and figure out what exactly I needed to do. So I began to sell the kebabs. And part of the strategy in selling the kebabs was uh, having something that put out a great smell. I wanted just the air to be permeated with a smell that made people say, oh my god, I'm hungry and that smells so good. You know, that's how, I mean, there's a lot of marketing that goes into making it smell a certain way and, and triggering things, uh, buying impulses within people. Not that I'm the master of that, but I know it exists and I know it's a very real thing. And so I began to do the bobs, and it did it did okay. I mean, the people started buying, and they they bought them, and they you know I eventually added some uh, sauces and things like that, and I kept doing it, and I would you know go down every every night of the week, and you know keep just keep forging ahead and keep getting feedback and keep keep pressing on, and so I got to a point where. I felt like I had at least a good idea of how the kebabs would do. And some nights they would do okay, and I may, may make a few bucks. I mean, again, we're not talking about anything on the scale of what I needed to live off of. And so I had to kind of put it in perspective and say, did if, if, if the business did today X amount of dollars, and, and really this is a fraction of what it would be what they call in-season. Maybe in-season is 5x or even 10x. If I continued with this product, would that 5x or 10x times my revenues be where I needed it to be? And it, it would have been, but only in-season and only for a short period of time. And so what I began to look at and I really studied is what what was being successful down there and you know every venue is different and and every even in with a, a place like Key West every week there are different festivals there are different tourist um, groups that come to town for different events and each one of them in and of this itself is kind of like a different market and so it, 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 there's really no, I don't want to say a stereotype of the typical tourist, but what I found is a couple of things. I found, number one, um, it's a very weird time of night, right during the middle of dinner hour, to try to sell food 
that's healthy food. I mean, that was that was my take on it. It was healthy food. It was it was grilled. It was not fried. I had kebabs. I had vegetables. I had uh, corn, grilled corn. So here I had healthy food, trying to appeal to um, kind of the antithesis of what people get at the fair food, right? It's not your typical fried Oreo, right? So, um, so that you know that was my take on it, and I started to look around and really observe and try to look at what was being successful. And what I'm finding is that the people that are there. People are buying things, number one, they're buying things to go along with their drinking. Most of them are more interested in drinking. Now, you can have your opinions about drinking. It is what it is. Um, in the Key West Mallory Square environment, that is, even though alcohol is not sold on the pier, there are some places close by that can sell it. And, and in Key West, you can pretty much walk around uh, drinking. Um, I'm not exactly sure what all the laws are because I don't really drink. It doesn't really apply to me. Um, but I know that it's it's perfectly okay in certain situations to walk around with an open bottle of alcohol or open beverage or, or that kind of thing. So that's the environment. I can't change that. I can't judge it. But it is what it is. And so when people are in that mindset, they're not looking for um, a, healthy <laughs> a healthy dinner. They're also not looking for very much to eat. And so that actually played into my advantage because I could buy one kebab and it'd be exactly what they needed to hold them over until dinner. But at the same time, I would look around and realize that the things that are consistently selling are things that people are making an experience out of. In other words, the pineapple lady, she makes an event out of pouring that pineapple from the inside out pouring it so that the pineapple shell is intact and then becomes the cup, right? And so then you've got beautiful little cherries and umbrellas and little pineapple garnishes and people walk away, even though they're paying eight or ten dollars for these pineapple drinks, they're walking away and before they can even get out of the line almost, they're taking a selfie with it and they're posting it to face. It represents everything that they want about their tropical island visit down to Key West. I also looked and one of the people that have been down there for 26 years or some crazy number like that is the guy that sells conch fritters. And conch, in case you haven't aren't familiar with it, conch is a um, it's native to this area. Um, the queen conch was overfished uh, I believe in around the 70s and 80s in the uh, U.S. waters. And so it's now illegal to harvest the queen conch. And all of the queen conch we get in the Key West area comes from the Bahamas. And so um, the Key West, in whenever the Cuban Missile Crisis happened, there was a big uh, to-do one day, and this Key West seceded from the Union and formed what they called a conch republic. People that are born in Key West or on in the Keys are called conchs. And so conch is a big thing down here, um, big thing kind of like key lime pie is. And so people um, have their opinions about conch. It's very much like a clammy kind of, um, kind of consistency. It's kind of rubbery, kind of tough, kind of chewy. And so, but people want to try it. And conch fritters is a, a very good way to try it. And so when people come down to the pier, Many of them see conch fritters and they're like, hey, 
could use a little snack. I haven't tried conch fritters yet. Let me get this. If this is all this guy does is conch fritters, they ought to be pretty darn good conch fritters. So they buy conch fritters for the experience to say that they've done it. Same with key lime pie. They want to say they've had it, and they try it all over the island and figure out who has the best. Or There's different variations that people like, but it's all about the island or the experience. It's not necessarily about the island experience, but it's about the experience of whatever it is that you're serving. So, none of my food met that criteria. And at that point, I was very hit and miss revenue-wise. I realized I really, really needed to rack my brain and figure out, I mean, I, I see these people that have been at it, you know, down there for 20 and 30 years. And granted, I don't feel like any of them have any more brain cells than I do. And I really, this was not going to conquer me. This was what I had hung every bit of my life-changing decision on. And I may be down, but I'm not out. So here's where we'll leave this today is during the month of September, Hit and miss with revenues with my kebabs. I would also call them kebabs, playing on the keys part of it, which I thought was cute, but I also found out that uh, there, I didn't realize there was as much international tourism as there is in the keys, and that did not translate well in um, to a lot of our non uh, non American tourists, and so. Um, they didn't get it. They would say, what is a kebab? And I would, you know, have to explain to them it wasn't quite obvious. So lots of mistakes were made in, in that, the you know, clever versus clarity. They always say, uh, if you have a, a choice between the two, always choose for clarity. Well, I chose clever and proved exactly why clarity is the better option. So anyway, um, I decided in the month of September, since I was virtually to the point where I was not making any money, I was spending money on product that was not being sold in time uh, before I, it was not viable anymore, and so I would have to lose money on product, and I was barely making any money um, whenever I went down there. I decided I was going to take the month of September and really try to get under this and figure this out. So I went to some of the people that have been around for a long time and said, what is it? What what do you think the key to being successful is down here. What kind of product do I need to try to sell? And my mentor came back to me and she said, Christy, what about French fries? Everyone loves French fries. Everyone knows about French fries. You know, French fries are a, they're a snack you can eat anytime. I mean, really, let's face it. If anyone offered you French fries about any time of the day, you would take it. And not just that, but there are food trucks right now all across the country, all across South Florida, that are completely building their business on their French fries. And then, beside that, they're making cool sauces. There is one food truck that has 20-something different types of sauces that they make from hand every day, by hand every day, and they make it, and it's fresh, and part of the thrill of eating a basic food like that, it's kind of the same thing with chicken wings or something else like that, that it's just 
half the fun is the sauces and the condiments. And, you know, it's like going to the Japanese uh, hibachi-type grill, and they put out all those little cups in front of you, and then they start filling them with sauces. And you just try this and try that and try the ginger and the shrimp sauce and try the soy sauce, and you try everything until you figure out what you like. And so I thought, you know what, they might be onto something. So I decided that I would try to do french fries. So I'm not going to tell you any more about that in this episode, but in this episode you can see I have made a lot of mistakes already. And you know, it's so interesting to me because I certainly don't consider myself. I mean, I've never been in business for myself before. I love business. I read a lot about business. I consume a lot of business-oriented material. All my books, all my entertainment, all my podcasts I listen to, they're all about business, business, business. But you know what? There's lessons in business you also have to learn by yourself or whenever you actually do it, and people can't tell you beforehand. And so I'm learning these um, None of them are anything that I would have really anticipated. I, I honestly thought there was no way I could fail by simply setting up something that ranks in the top 10 fair foods and putting it in an area where it's like a fair every single night and, you know, three to 5,000 people roll through. I mean, how much of percentage of that tourist traffic would I have to capture to make a living? It was very, very small, like under 10%. So, I mean, when you look at it statistically, you just think it's a no-lose situation. But I was losing. So, I'm going to pick it up tomorrow in the next episode, part three of my story, of me trying my french fries. And I was also looking for an experience uh, food to go along with my french fries. And I'll tell you what I came up with. It's probably something you might have never seen or tasted before. It's actually pretty good. And um, I'll share all that with you in my episode tomorrow. But again, I want you to follow me along in these episodes because I am real time trying to do uh, everything that most people would dream of. And that's I quit my job, my six-figure job. I've moved to a beautiful area in Key West, Florida. And I am trying to make a go of it. I'm trying to figure out what I need to do to live my life to the fullest. So join me tomorrow. We'll talk about the French fries. We'll tell you where I am and continue the story from there. It's not nearly over yet. You haven't even begun to get to the end of the incarnations I've had. So um, follow me. Let me let me know what you think. If you if you think I'm crazy, please let me know that as well. I don't don't take uh, anything like that personally. But listen to um, the lessons I'm learning because they are lessons that we all can learn from. But the most important lesson is seize the day, take every opportunity, and take action toward the life you want. Thanks for listening to the Brick and Mortar Reporter podcast today. I'll catch you guys in the next episode. If you'd like to join our local community here at the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, the best way to do that is to follow us on Facebook. You can find us at facebook.com forward slash brick and mortar reporter podcast. Now, every single day when we upload a new episode and we launch it, we'll have a little blurb there along with a link to it, along with some great discussions about local business and things that are going on in local areas all over the country that can affect your business and other businesses in the local community. So follow us on Facebook. We'd love to have you join our community. If you are a Twitter user, and we know many of you are, we love Twitter ourselves, we would love to have you follow us on Twitter. You can find us at BAM, B-A-M, reporter, 
It's at BAM Reporter. So hop on over to Twitter, follow us, and you'll get all the updates every time we launch a new episode. And when anything comes out that the local business community needs to be aware of, we will tweet that out and you'll have access to that. So follow us on Twitter at BAM Reporter. Thank you for listening to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we build businesses all day long with no permits. Remember, local businesses are the backbone of our economy. So, whenever you have the opportunity, choose local.